Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. We just have to demonstrate that he will not take power uh, by uh, if we uh, if he does run. Uh, making sure he, uh, under the legitimate efforts of uh, our Constitution, does not become the next president again. And maybe most important, I've committed that, that by 2020, we will have conserved 30% of all the lands and waters the United States has jurisdiction over and simultaneously reduce emissions to blunt climate impact. We're on our way. Conservation, land, and water. We put more in conservation and land and water than any president in the history of the United States since with John Kennedy. And now I'm standing next to the president again, next to a collapsed bridge here. And he is here to commit to work with the governor and the, the, the delegation to make sure that we get this fixed quick, fast as well, too. This is a president that is committed to infrastructure. Yeah, and then on top of that, uh, the, the jewel uh, kind of a uh, uh, law of the inflation uh, bill that is going to make sure that there's going to be bridges all across like this, all across the America getting rebuilt. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 22nd of June, year of our Lord, 2023. Want to make sure we start with the Trump. We're not going to do Trump today because there's, there's other stuff in the waking. But then you have literally that dog that I just want to punch in the face repeatedly. But I can't do it because it's my wife's dog. Two seconds. Buddy, that's enough. Sorry. I'm babysitting. She's shopping. Then we have him time traveling. And then we have the two brainiacs talking. And that just pretty much sums up our media 100% because that's okay. Those two fucking idiots. You can't say they're freaking brain dead, but every conservative or really non-progressive is brain dead and has mental illness. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So today we're going to cover, of course, Hunter, the censure. We have uh, hearings intermixed with some stupid shit. So I want to start with stupid shit. I'm going to go back to back sound bite of stupid shit. Number one is Harris once again floating the lie that you can't get miscarriage care. You can still get D- DNC if you have a problem with miscarriage. It's a total fucking lie. And KGP. And I put them together because they both believe they're historic people. But these two idiots have put back the cause of African Americans all across the globe because they're fucking idiots. 
If my children were there out of college now, if they were still choosing colleges, I would not let them choose a red state. I'm just being honest. I wouldn't let them choose a state that banned abortion. But can you talk some about the very specific medical consequences that you're seeing, Dr. Ivey, taking, taking place here? Absolutely. Dr. Ivy, can you also talk a bit about, um, Joy, if you don't mind? No, please, please, absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm hearing countless stories of women who are um, in the process of miscarriage, intended to take pregnancy to term, and are in the process of miscarriage, and are having to travel from places like Texas to Colorado, places like Texas or Florida to Seattle, to get care, to, to address their miscarriage. And, and the stories I've heard include women so afraid that during that plane trip, she might actually miscarry. A year in this role, there's been a couple of things that I that has made me incredibly proud. Many things, many things that made me incredibly proud to be at that podium uh, during this historic moment. Again, this is a historic administration. I'm a historic figure and I certainly walk in history every day. But this is also a historic making administration because of this president. I am a historic figure. See, this is the problem with Democrats because they can get away with this stuff. They can over and over and over and over be able to say creepy shit like, you know, the Joe about Eva Longoria. That was just creepy. I see myself as an iconic figure. She can't form a sentence with both hands. She's a fucking moron. But they can do it because, hey, the Democrats, they're the right color, they're the right people, Harris can lie, a tranny can show their titties, and now they go on TV and they're the victim. Today I need to apologize. Earlier this month, I was invited by the White House to attend a pride celebration with both President Biden and Dr. Biden. I, alongside other powerful voices in the queer and trans communities, were invited to be represented, seen, and heard in unique and a very special way. As anti-2SLGBTQPIA+, especially anti-trans violence and legislation runs rampant across our country, I was proud to be invited to speak at the National Press Club during my trip to Washington, D.C. in order to speak about transgender people and experiences at the highest levels of our nation. In a quick moment of fleeting and overwhelming trans joy, I decided to do something unbecoming of a guest of the president at the White House lawn celebration. More so than ever before, I have learned how powerful and just how impactful my actions are and how impactful it is when we share our stories and experiences and how we do so with the world. I wanna take this moment to apologize for the impact of my actions. I especially want to apologize to my black trans brothers and siblings, especially transgender women who are black, because I understand that you all are constantly at a disproportionate level impacted by the actions of others and especially by anti-trans violence. I would also like to apologize to my family and friends who have been harassed. 
I would also like to apologize to my own community, the 2SLGBTQPIA plus community. And last but not least, I would like to apologize to the president, the White House, and the nation. It was also never my intention to create a situation that would lead to harassment and harm of myself and others, nor for trans joy, like my little moment of trans joy to be weaponized by vile people of the opposition. Moving forward, I am committed to using this moment as a catalyst for creating positive change, both within myself and within the broader community and the world at large. It is my sincere intention to actively promote empathy, equity, inclusion, and understanding through my words and my actions and my advocacy efforts. I also feel energized to educate and articulate to others the importance and power of trans joy in a more effective way. Finally, as I work to engage in meaningful conversations with my community and my allies, I would like to ask for everyone, especially media outlets and journalists, to please respect mine my families, my friends, and my loved ones' privacy during this time. I am unavailable for additional comments, and I will not be conducting interviews at this time. Thank you so much for listening. No, no, no. You don't get to play my joy. Hey, I have joy all the time. I hear a really good guitar solo. I don't whip my dick out. I have a day where I don't feel nauseous. I do not whip my dick out I go junking and I score a great radio or as I'm doing now I'm doing projects for my brother and sister and I accomplish it and I don't scream and say fuck I don't get upset I do not whip my dick out nobody wants to see my dick doesn't matter how happy I am, how much joy I have. No. None of that matters. Because this is a world where other people get to live other than you. And you don't get to shove all your fucking shit on them all the fucking time just because... You feel you're deserved. You, you, you don't get to do that. That's not how it works. It's just not how it works. None of this works this way. It is literally like that commercial with the old ladies. And we're all living it right now. It, it, none of this works this way. But Democrats who have been able to bully, call people names, force them to do whatever the fucking want, whatever the fuck they want, they are constantly in a state of gnashing teeth and being upset because things didn't go to get to go their way. So for today, just random shit. Tapper, whistleblower, Francis Hughes, bemoan free speech on Facebook. Who the fuck are you? Oh, no, no. I'm fucking up already. No, I'm fucking up. No, I'll play it. Then I'll play the other one. So we have that. Then we have Mika losing her fucking shit because it doesn't look good for old Biden because not everybody wants to vote for Biden because Biden's a fucking moron. And then 
the, the party that has spent all their time saying that we need to tear apart the Supreme Court when they weren't in power, weaponization of the DOJ, which is not even remotely close to what, what we're, we're living right now. I mean, with fucking Biden, I mean, geez, gee, many crickets. If you, if you pray on a sidewalk, your fucking ass is getting locked up, motherfucker. But now, if you disrespect the DOJ, that is like you're in the KKK. Literally said. Something coming in out of that fall. It had to wear a cast for a while. What would that look like? And again, these are things that shouldn't matter, perhaps, because of his record. And we can, like, we can point to it. We do on the show all the time about uh, the resume he has. But we also have to be realistic. We're reporting what we are hearing out there. And what, frankly, what the polls suggest well, is the Democrats are uh, anxious about this. Yeah. And, and Rev, I, I know, you know, leaders are hearing it. The New York Times has called you. I know you don't like talking I mean, about I mean, this. I think every single Republican candidate would love to have Joe Biden's problems. They would love to, well, that their only issue but, but is that they're mad? older. Why are you getting, I'm getting uh, mad ups, upset that every Democrat you talk to says this? Because get over it. He's your candidate. Start talking about the, be like Gavin Newsom. Do better. So, so Do better. There's a lot to talk about. Among social media companies are growing, including now by Facebook whistleblower Francis Haugen. In late 2021, you may remember, Haugen leaked documents that showed how Facebook, now called Meta, prioritized profit over people and allowed its algorithms to harness political divisiveness and hate speech and diminish children's self-esteem, both here in the U.S. and around the world. Now Haugen is out with a new book detailing all of it, The Power of One, How I Found the Strength to Tell the Truth and Why I Blew the Whistle on Facebook. And Francis Haugen joins us now. Congratulations on your book. Fascinating stuff. Throughout the book, you talk about how Facebook got away with so much because its software is closed off to the public. People have no idea what's going on there. And, and how Facebook unfairly influenced national elections, even toppled governments uh, in different parts of the world. Do you think we as a society are better prepared or protected for the 2024 presidential election in the U.S. because we're now aware of this, or are we doomed for more of the same? I'm deeply concerned that going into 2024, we face much larger risks than we did, say, four years ago or three years ago at this point, um, because Facebook dissolved the team that was responsible for making sure the 2020 election was safe. It is a fool's errand to try and worry about public perception as long as you're doing the right thing. But do you not charge people in the 1950s for uh, murdering uh, or assaulting uh, members of the black uh, population because you're worried about what uh, the Ku Klux Klan is going to think in certain parts of the world. I mean, what, what the public is going to think about a prosecution is not the standard um, for going forward if you were treating likes alike. Where the bar Justice Department was aggressively, proactively political through its actions, the Garland Justice Department has been equally political through inaction. All right, I'm not supposed to talk about how you make the sausage, but afterwards I always go through and I usually use my earbuds, but I drained them making the show and, and I do editing and take these sound bites down because they're usually too big. And I get done editing the, 
the last soundbite, and I I missed it. I listened to it, but I was distracted. A wife was coming home, and I had to go help her get um, groceries. So I was trying to set up the next one. I could come back after the white powder soundbite that we're about to talk about. Well, the KKK, if you're disparaging the DOJ, and promptly afterwards, Wallace says, oh, yeah, the previous was very political and active, but Garland isn't. So in one soundbite, not only did they try to twist disparaging the DOJ to being a fucking gigantic racist, they then disparaged the DOJ. So my question is, Nicole Wallace, are you part of the KKK? Because the dude just said you're not supposed to do that or else you are part of the KKK. And then you did it. What the fuck? All right. Now, everybody ignores that Trump and some Kansas senators got sent white powder, which would be huge if they had a D behind their name. Now to the growing number of threatening letters containing our mysterious white powder, more than 100 now found to lawmakers and officials in Kansas. And tonight, federal law enforcement sources tell ABC News they were also sent to former President Trump and Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, but that postal inspectors intercepted them. Here's ABC senior investigative reporter Aaron Katursky. At first, envelopes containing a suspicious powdery substance were discovered in the mailboxes of a few dozen Kansas lawmakers. But tonight, the list of intended recipients is growing. More than 100 Kansas officials have now received letters, and federal law enforcement sources tell ABC News letters were also addressed to former President Trump, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, and other high-profile individuals, though we're told the postal inspectors intercepted those letters before they were delivered. It appears most of the letters were sent to Kansas Republicans, including Attorney General Chris Kobach and State Representative Tori Marie Blue, who told us she threw hers into a flower pot. She shared this photo of hazmat teams responding. It was just in your typical letter envelope, and at the very bottom of it, you could feel that it was very thick. At least one letter included a message saying, it is important not to choke on your ambition. But one lawmaker described the note as cryptic and lacking sense. Kansas Republicans called the letters a cowardly attempt to intimidate the legislature and asked lawmakers to remain vigilant and cautious while opening their mail. Okay, edit too, because I was distracted once again. Who is doing it? We've had targets bombed, threaded, and now we're getting white powder. Who's doing it? Well, it's the LGBT community because the media has ran up a fervor that all these gays are getting sent back to frickin' purgatory because they're gay and little kids can't become full-fledged fucking uh, trannies and it's going to kill kids and blah and all the rancor they have been spinning up just to win a fucking election in 2024. Well, of course it's the LGBT community. So, to date, we have some jackasses on J6. That's it on the right. They talk about white guys all the time. 
and white supremacy, but we don't ever see any violence. We don't ever see anything going on. But we've witnessed BLM and Antifa tear shit down, James Revenge tear shit down, and now LGBT groups literally using Antifa with ARs to do their drag story hours and threatening to kill people. But remember, it's the right. The right's got the problem. They're the fringe lunatics. Which brings us into our Schiff sensor that I will suppress my voice because I did it on the other side. And this is another edit. Sorry. Resolution, I thank you. You honor me with your enmity. You flatter me with this falsehood. You who are the authors of a big lie about the last election must condemn the truth tellers and I stand proudly before you. Your words tell me that I have been effective in the defense of our democracy and I am grateful. And yet this false and defamatory resolution comes at a considerable cost to the country and to the Today we are on the floor of the house where the other side has turned this, this chamber where slavery was abolished, where Medicare and Social Security and everything were instituted. They've turned it into a puppet show, a puppet show. And you know what? The puppeteer, Donald Trump, is shining a light on the strings. You look miserable. You look miserable. The only advantage to all of this is that instead of reversing what we did on the IRA to save the planet, or reversing what we did to reduce the cost of prescription drugs, you're wasting time. Adam Schiff is one of the greatest members of that. The gentleman's time has expired. I have uh, the gentleman's ten time more has expired. The gentlelady's time has expired. He said his is expired. The gentleman from Maryland's time has expired. The gentleman from Florida is recognized. On this vote, the A's are 213 and the nays are 209. With six answering present, the resolution adopted. Without objection, the motion to consider is laid on the table. House will be in order. The House The House will be in order. will be in order.
house will be in order. Will Representative Schiff present himself in the well? Where do I even start on that? Where do I start? He lied for fucking ever. It started in 2016. He didn't stop lying. He kept lying. And now we're in 2023, and it's just one gigantic lie. The guy lied. He always said, I got the goods, we're going to prove it. And never proved anything. It was all found to be false. Even the New York Times found it to be false. We found that it was just Hillary Clinton making shit up because Hillary Clinton realized she was going to lose an election that she was supposed to win. And she'd already gone past winning the election and gone straight into uh, my cabinet. Good for the Republicans one time ever. Does it help anything? Does it solve anything? Does it make the country better? No. But let's be honest. They kicked people off committees. They did all sorts of illegal shit. And now our media is going to spend all its time acting like this is unheard of when, in the words of John Rambo, you drew first blood. And then, before we, go, before we get into Hunter, because Hunter's coming, uh, we got some stuff that first this is from the wife it's very long it's five minutes kind of screwing up because i had to do a bunch of stuff um well we'll do this one first so greg gutfeld jokes around with little dana perino dana perino for those who don't know was press secretary for george w bush she's small greg gutfeld's small if you watched it, like my wife does, you know that that's their joke. Small, little, he does his show every night, and on the show, she's smaller than a teacup, or she's this, or she's that, and his massive sidekick, Tyrus, uses the Supreme Court as a toothpick, or uh, the freaking um, whatever, gigantic building as a toothpick. I mean, it's all part of the gag. This became an entire article because well why not that's kind of what they do isn't it he joked this is on uh, the rap Greg Gutfeld takes a five baton from Dana Perino with a casual nod to the little lady and he goes on to make a big deal out of nothing because this is what these people do they're hateful angry people that spend their whole time finding stupid shit to complain about. This was the actual quote. Protect each one another from these people. 
And the authorities know who they are, and they're just throwing so much money at the problem. And I think that especially remember the money that de Blasio gave to his wife and was supposed to help solve the problem. As soon as they left, they, there was an audit done, and $850 million just went missing. Nobody has any idea where it went. So a lot of these homeless services that are getting a lot of money, more and more money, it's not working. The solution is in listening to the homeless, like the woman who says, we are spoiled, we need tough love, or we're never going to get off the street. Greg, what do you think about that approach? I agree with everything the little lady says, and I'm sorry about the cart. It just really astounds me that this is our media. That this is the low-hanging fruit bullshit that becomes issues. Because let's, let's be honest. Do you really want to talk about the truth? Do we really want to address Joe Biden and his son? No. PolitiFact covers Biden claim that you can be thrown out of a restaurant for being gay. Biden continues making things up when a person can be married, blah, blah, blah. Speaking of PolitiFact, let's see what they're up to. In the U.S., a person can be married in the morning and thrown out of the restaurant for being gay in the afternoon. Mostly true. Without federal protection, LGBTQ people rely on state laws to protect from discrimination in restaurants and businesses. But in 22 states, it's possible that someone could be married in the morning and get kicked out in the restaurant. So we use semantics to cover up a gigantic lie and just... Divide, 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 divide. Because that's all they have. They don't have any policies. They have nothing to fix the country. Their whole premise is break things into little groups, divide and conquer, and tell them that the other group is trying to take your shit. It is so fucking bad. Now, my wife found this video, and it's long. This is just the stupidest fucking shit I've ever heard. Parents for having me without my permission. So my parents that I sued, they contributed to, you know, conceiving me and my mother that raised me, she gave birth to me. Um, and that's why I sued them because I did not consent to being here. Like I was unaware that I was going to have to grow up and get a job um, to support myself, and I, I just didn't consent to that. They didn't try to contact me in any way before I was born to see if I actually wanted to be here, um, and that's why I sued them. Now, it's different. Like, I know I've said it's, like, unethical to have children before, but it's different when you adopt because it's not my fault that they're here. I'm just trying to be a good person and, like, help them out. You know what I mean? So yeah, if you are pregnant right now, you need to go, you need to hire a psychic medium and ask your child if they actually want to be here. Um, but keep in mind, if they don't, you, you need to terminate. She is now making it her life mission to teach kids to be a dumbass just like her. That is the most, I didn't know I was going to grow up, support myself. This is what you get when you hand out participation trophies. This is what you get when you say everybody's special. Everybody is not special. I'm not special at all. I'm fucking average. Barely average. I was good enough at everything I did in life. Not great. 
not skilled, not exceptional. I was just good enough. I held jobs till they found somebody better. That's our lives. Big fucking deal. Find joy elsewhere. But that is the perfect segue into Hunter. And I'm going to start it with CNN telling us there is nothing there. There's no evidence that Hunter Biden has done anything wrong. There is no evidence of any wrongdoing between uh, uh, by Biden, by Joe Biden or by Hunter Biden. There's no evidence that Joe Biden actually did anything wrong or did anything to sway things in Hunter Biden's favor. He's denied that his son ever lobbied him for anything. There is nothing Hunter. There is nothing wrong that Vice President Biden did. President Trump has falsely accused your son of doing something wrong while serving on a company board in Ukraine. I want to point out there's no evidence of wrongdoing by either one of you. There is no evidence that anybody did anything illegal uh, regarding the Bidens uh, and, and Ukraine, and, and Joe Biden was carrying out U.S. policy. President Trump wanted dirt on Joe and Hunter Biden. Trump's claims about wrongdoing here are unsubstantiated. We have looked. Lots of out outlets have looked. Hunter Biden did nothing wrong. Vice President Biden uh, did nothing wrong. And every single media outlet has said that there are no, there's no there there to these allegations, lies and smears. PolitiFact found no evidence to support the idea that Joe Biden advocated with his son's interests in mind. It's true that there's no evidence of any wrongdoing by Vice President Biden or that Hunter Biden uh, broke any laws at all. What it confirms is that Hunter Biden is a person of integrity. Hunter has done nothing wrong. I've never read a memoir uh, like this one before. This is Hunter Biden's book, Beautiful Things. It's breathtaking. There is no evidence of any wrongdoing by either Joe or Hunter Biden. A bogus investigation of, of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Let's be clear, Hunter Biden didn't do anything illegal, and his father, the vice president, didn't do anything illegal or unethical. It demonstrates the you know, lifetime of integrity that, uh, that, have, uh, that have been representing, represented by the Bidens uh, for, their, for their entire careers. My son did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. So, uh... Yeah, there's something there. This is the New York Times. All the media, I could show you a million fucking print screens or pictures of these fucking asshats literally saying, oh, it's it's just all bullshit. And he, it's been so hard for him. Look at the poor, look at poor Hunter. Look at the poor president. For Biden, the trouble of his son are personal and politically painful. Hunter Biden, plea room, put him in the crosshairs of President Biden's adversaries once again. No, 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 no. That is not how you would say it if it was a Republican. It just... No. No, no. 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 This is not how you do it. Come the fuck on. So Brett J. Tolman, DOJ is violating his own internal policy on this case. The Ashcroft memo requires that they charge the highest provable offense and seek consistent sentences with other cases brought by DOJ. This prosecution is an absolute laughable joke. 
They are ignoring decades of policy and precedents to seek felonies, not misdemeanors, and seek sentences within the guideline range. The diversion agreement on the felony is an offensive to everyone not politically connected who sought diversions and were literally laughed at by the DOJ. Thousands of people have been prosecuted under Project Safe Neighborhoods by DOJ that brag about getting nearly five years of prison time on average for their gun cases. If they follow policy, Hunter would be looking at a minimum of five years in federal prison, but he's a Biden. U.S. Code 18 U.S.C. 924C charges, easy to prove, given Hunter was distributed dealing drugs with a firearm in his possession. Such charges were brought against thousands of inner cities, black kids. And surprisingly, nobody's saying white privilege. No, there's no white privilege. Hunter Biden plea deals amounts to nothing but an in-your-face show of contempt for the rule of law. Except to the media. The media think, oh, it's just, it's just horrible. CNN was so invested in this shit after saying there was nothing there. That people were saying, I hope they filed paperwork to be their defense attorney. So... We're going to ease into the pond today. We're going to play Avalon in his reality check that is totally false. And then Claire McCaskill on MSDNC literally almost in tears over this. Yeah, there's a lot of doubling down on this idea of a legal double standard, especially in the wake of Donald Trump's 37-count indictment. But does that stack up to the facts? Well... The investigation first was conducted by a Trump appointee, U.S. Attorney David Weiss of Delaware, specifically to reduce concern about politicized results. But, of course, Hunter Biden has been demonized by the right pretty thoroughly. To use just one measure, get this, a LexisNexis search found that he was mentioned more than 2,200 times on Fox News between 2020 and 2022. For doing the math at home, that's well over once a day. So don't believe the hype. Instead, look at the comps. Now, we know that other Americans who've taken home classified national security documents often receive stiff prison sentences. It happened in several cases recently, as detailed by CNN's Daniel Dale. But willful failure to pay income tax with a guilty plea often does not result in prison time, especially if the money's been paid back with interest. And that's the deal with Hunter Biden's case. He underpaid the IRS by at least $100,000 in both 2017 and 2018, when he was admittedly a crack cocaine addict. He has since paid up and will receive probation. Now, the gun charge is a little bit stranger, but bear with me. Basically, Hunter Biden was charged with possessing a gun when he was a drug addict. That is illegal, but rarely charged standalone unless the gun is used in a separate crime. Get this. Over six months, from October 22 to March of this year, federal prosecutors filed over 3,800 cases of unlawful possession of a firearm. It's according to a database compiled by Syracuse University. But in only 3% of the time, failing to make a false statement to acquire the gun related to the lead charge. So, look, you can't reason someone out of something they weren't reasoned into, as the Irish author Jonathan Swift once wrote. But here's the big picture. The fact that son of the president was investigated by the government and charged is actually evidence that no one is above the law. I don't know what America they live in, um, and I don't know how they sleep at night. Uh, You know, alcoholism and addiction are probably the most pervasive diseases in America. I don't know of one family 
that hasn't been touched by the pain of these diseases. And it's particularly painful when you have someone you love unconditionally that is suffering from these diseases. I think Joe Biden has shown a wonderful role model to the country about unconditional love. What, what do these jerks in the House want Joe Biden to do? Throw him out? Refuse to speak to him? Say he doesn't love him publicly? Do they not understand this disease and how it works? Hunter Biden has gone through recovery under the brightest lights imaginable. And recovery is not easy for anybody. I, 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 he is being held accountable for bad judgments he made. And he should be. But the point is that he now has to stay sober in order to avoid a felony. And he has been treated as he should under the law. But everyone should understand here that this man, this has paid a very high price for his addiction in the public arena. That skank bag right there would be losing her fucking shit of Republicans there. And I could spend all day just playing quotes by, or showing quotes and tweets about, well, Ivanka and them are way worse. We're not even going into the fact that he was lobbying in a foreign country, never declared it, that $5 million, all those things, no, we're not even touching that. The DOJ is just doing this. They're diverting everything because they can say before the election they did something. And now you just took it off the table and the Republicans can't say, well, what about Hunter Biden? And they did it so they can go after Trump 100 percent and say, well, we did Biden. We did a Biden. Now it's Trump's turn. It is just a glaring another example that if you have a D behind your name, you literally can do whatever the fuck you want in this country. You can murder people, burn buildings down, rip shit apart, storm capitals, storm the Supreme Court, storm the capital of the United States that has been done numerous times by Democratic groups, and they just get shoot out. They get arrested and released. Not the 1,000 people arrested for walking in the Capitol and the doors are open. No, you're not getting that treatment. Mm -mm. Not happening. So, I didn't even do it in order. I could have paid hundreds. I could have played hundreds. Here's your media jerk-off. I am a politician. The media jerk off of the week. So hot. These issues of conflict of interest and and playing off his name and the Biden family name will be investigated uh, by by Congress, uh, by Republicans in Congress. Um, and the issue is not going away. But doesn't this show, Carl, that Biden is not in the pocket of the DOJ? I mean, 
Yes. And again, it depends yeah. on, so, so how do you look at it? Do you look at it and you say, look, they prosecuted anyway, his son now has a criminal record. Yes, that shows, uh, that, that it would seem to show there was no interference. He didn't pull the plug on the investigation. Uh -huh. He didn't order his attorney general right. to pull the plug on the investigation. But what Republicans will say is that this didn't look at the bigger, more serious allegations about whether or not, I mean, the Republicans have made lots of major allegations against Biden, against President Biden. Uh, you know, they, they call it the Biden crime family. They claim they've, you know, traded off their name, that they've, uh, they, 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 they've gotten money from foreign entities uh, illegally. None of that's been proven. There's no evidence uh, of that. But they're going to continue those investigations so and make a, those allegations. So on a scale of one to uh, Jared taking $2 billion from the Saudis, how does this look? Look, I, I, I don't, you know, want to compare it with with what Jared Kushner has done, but but there there are significant concerns about Hunter Biden's business dealings. You know, he has the, the contract that he had uh, with with the Ukrainian energy company, also his business dealings in China. I mean, one of the details that we reported earlier that they were looking into that's just so strange. Uh, he was given Hunter Biden was given a 2.8 carat diamond uh, from a a Chinese business. Associate. I mean, what, what, what's it all about? We, we don't know. The president obviously has talked a lot about his close relationship with his son. Any reaction from the White House on this? The president has been emphatic that he believes that his son, Hunter, did not break the law, that he did nothing wrong. In May, he said, quote, my son has done nothing wrong. I trust him. I have faith in him. We know that Joe Biden is extremely protective of his family, and he is also deeply proud of his son. After several years of personal recovery, rebuilding his family, dealing with his legal matters, he now suddenly was appearing far more frequently alongside his father. I remember most especially in Ireland when the president made that trip in April. He was at the state dinner for the French president. He was at the Easter egg roll with his young son. The president felt that his son could be alongside him for all of this, despite the ongoing uh, legal matter and despite the political pressure that the family is facing. And this president has also been very open about the very real struggle that his son has faced with addiction. Now he's very proud of his son for having gotten through that. To see that be something that has been tried to use to launch political attacks against him has been very difficult, I think, for this president personally. Certainly Republicans will continue. It's expected to make hay of this. As Scott pointed out on Capitol Hill, it certainly remains a big topic of conversation and one that even presidential candidates have been talking about. And, and as much as we understand the politics and we're explaining and giving context around the politics, we also should talk about the facts, which are uh, that it was a Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in, uh, in Delaware, intentionally kept there by Joe Biden because he knew this investigation was going on, uh, and that these cases are quite different. Yeah, they're absolutely different. And when Republicans talk about, they leave out a lot of facts in each instance that kind of walk around and dance around to make it seem like these are similar. But these are obviously apple and oranges cases. What does the Hunter Biden deal pretend for the 2024 race? I mean, look, it, it, it brings up the big elephant in the room, which is that Republicans are closing in on 20 years in which they could not win the popular vote in this country. Uh, what people actually care about, every poll that we've looked at tells you what common sense would tell you. People care about prices. Uh, they care about their kids' tuition. They care about their family and their future and the economy. Uh, and 
the Hunter Biden fixation that led to the first impeachment of Donald Trump, that seems to be the only issue that any Republican candidate wants to talk about right now, it tells you that the, the, they don't have a hold on it. They haven't figured out how to talk to the country. And so they've got this strictly political partisan fixation. Hi, it's your local editor. Strictly partisan fixation. I'm literally killing the next soundbite, but fixation. How about the shift fixation and Trump and uh, Russia and, 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 and. It's still going. It's been six fucking years. Now back into whatever I said. The way they word that is so hilarious because here's the reality. If it was a Republican, they'd be losing their shit. But as they bring up 2016, they once again show that twice Democrats get to walk for breaking laws because they're important people. They're the good guys. They destroyed whole people's lives off a fake Russia collusion. SWAT teams kicked doors down, ruined them financially. Flynn's a nut job, but that guy's life got fucked. He did nothing wrong. You ruined him for life. Employment, the whole nine yards. Done. They're defending this as, well, hey, they did the right thing. Biden has nothing to do with this. Are you fucking shitting me? I mean, anybody, anybody who objectively looks at the way things have gone the last couple months with Trump's indictments and Hunter Biden getting off, it's pretty obvious Biden's got his dick all over the shit, if he can find it. So, I haven't played him forever. He's all straight Twitter now, which is kind of sad. But um, here's Tucker. Hey, it's Tucker Carlson. This spring, word began to circulate in Washington that the House Oversight Committee, under its new chairman, Congressman Jamie Comer, had discovered criminal behavior after reviewing thousands of pages of the Biden family's bank records. Now, publicly, to the extent they responded at all, the White House dismissed the investigation as, of course, politically motivated. In any case, irrelevant. Hunter Biden was an adult, so his business dealings had nothing at all to do with his father, in this case, the President of the United States. But in private, everybody understood it wasn't quite that simple. There has long been overwhelming evidence that Joe and Hunter Biden's financial lives are not separate at all, but deeply intertwined. On Hunter Biden's laptop, there's a suggestion that the two of them, even at one point, shared a bank account. And of course, Hunter Biden wrote himself that he kicked back cash from his foreign business deals to his father. He wrote that bitterly. So the Oversight Committee's investigation was potentially a disaster for the White House, a scandal, possibly even the prelude to criminal charges. So in order to get ahead of all of that, Joe Biden's handlers did the one thing they could do. They set up an MSNBC interview to preemptively whitewash whatever Jamie Comer might find. Here's the result of that. This aired on May 5th. Sir, there is something personal that's affecting you. Your son, while there's no ties to you, could be charged by your Department of Justice. How will that impact your presidency? First of all, my son's done nothing wrong. I trust him. I have faith in him. And it impacts my presidency by making me 
feel proud of you. Okay, time for the master class for free. You can audit it. Here it goes. Sir, showing appropriate respect, says the shill, there is something personal that's affecting you. Note the wording. Personal, not of public concern. Nothing law enforcement might be interested in, but personal, a sad family tragedy. That's the framing. And then this, a sentence choreographed to the letter. Your son, while there's no ties to you, could be charged by your Department of Justice. Got that? Well, there's no tie to you. So the answer is, in fact, in the question. Whatever Hunter Biden goes down for, and we know he is going to be charged because MSNBC said so, but when that happens, that's Hunter's problem. It's got nothing to do with Joe Biden. Rest easy, America. Five days later, the Oversight Committee released its findings, and they were, in fact, devastating. Quote, bank records show the Biden family their business associates, and their companies, their many companies, received over $10 million from foreign nationals and their related companies, the committee wrote. Investigators had, quote, identified payments to Biden family members from foreign companies while Joe Biden served as vice president and after he left public office. So actually, there was something there. It was a scandal. Racketeering, money laundering, wire fraud. Those are some of the crimes the Bidens seem to have committed, in addition, of course, to selling out the United States for cash. So what would happen to them? Well, Donald Trump had an idea, quote, they'll hit Hunter with something small to make their strike on me look fair. Trump wrote that about two weeks ago, and it turned out those were prescient words. This morning, Hunter Biden pleaded guilty to pretty much nothing. Biden pled to two misdemeanor tax evasion charges, then entered a diversion on a federal gun charge. That's it. As far as Merrick Garland's Justice Department is concerned, Hunter Biden is done. There was no pre-dawn raid carried live simultaneously on CNN. There was no perp walk, no handcuffs, no press conference. Above all, there was no felony. Hunter Biden, who broke federal gun laws, can still carry a gun. It's like it all never happened. In fact, the Justice Department just baptized Hunter Biden. A lifetime of sins washed away in an instant. It was a secular miracle. Most miraculous of all, Hunter Biden somehow escaped a FARA charge. FARA is the Foreign Agent Registration Act, and it is exactly what its name suggests. Under federal law, if you are acting as an agent of a foreign nation in Washington, you are required to register with our government to let everybody know. Well, for decades, pretty much nobody in Washington did register under FARA, and precisely no one was ever prosecuted for it. No one. But starting several years ago, the Justice Department began sending people to prison on FARA violations. The official explanation was, we're cracking down on foreign influence in Washington. And of course, privately, everyone in Washington laughed. They knew that was absurd. In fact, it's the opposite of the truth. Foreign powers have never had more power in Washington. Their agents are everywhere, in every federal agency and throughout business, down to and including in executive positions at various social media companies. The Biden administration knows all of this, and it's not a problem. In fact, it's their policy. From the administration's perspective, the concerns and the demands of, say, the Chinese government, or particularly the Ukrainian government, are far more important than the needs of American voters. We're cracking down on foreign influence, please. The point, the only point, of enforcing FARA, after decades of ignoring it, is to harass and imprison high-profile political opponents. Trump donor Elliot Broidy 
pled to a FARA violation a few years ago. So did Trump campaign manager, famously Paul Manafort. He went to prison. Last year, the DOJ went after Trump confidant Steve Wynn under FARA. But in the end, the Biden administration overreached so comically that the whole thing was thrown out by a judge. But they tried. So as long as they're trying, if it was a fair system, Hunter Biden would be first on the list of those next to be charged with a FARA violation. In fact, many of them. Hunter Biden was a foreign agent. He never registered as one. But for years, that's exactly what he was. He sold access to his father and other lawmakers to the Chinese and the Ukrainians and countries throughout the world. There's no debate about that. The FBI has known about it for years. For years, they've had possession of Hunter Biden's laptop. But they didn't charge him for it today. They never will. Why? Well, you know the answer. Hunter Biden has good genes. A more interesting question, though, which is another question the feds will never consider, is what does Hunter Biden do for a living now? This is a man with no obvious job and, of course, zero skills. He spent midlife smoking crack. Yet somehow he's managed to live pretty well despite rising inflation. He's been living in big houses in the costliest residential neighborhoods in the world. He's been paying his stripper baby mama 20 grand a month in child support. And he has retained a team of the most expensive lawyers in the country who spend quite a bit of time sending threatening letters to anyone who asks questions about how they're being paid. We can confirm that firsthand. So again, what does Hunter Biden do for work? That's a fair question. And tonight we have the answer. For years, Hunter Biden was an influence peddler. Now Hunter Biden is a self-actualizer. He self-actualizes for a living. He gets in touch with himself, his feelings, and he follows his muse. Here he is explaining his new vocation in a 2019 ABC News interview. This is new. Yeah. Studio. Yeah. But now he's opening the doors to a place never captured by a paparazzi's lens, his refuge, an art studio where he finds solace in painting. What's the goal eventually? Um, no, no goal. That's the no. perfect part about it. It's just, it literally keeps me sane. His refuge, far from the paparazzi's lens. In other words, we're not the paparazzi, we're ABC News. What's the goal of this? Your refuge. There's no goal, he says, grinning with those fake teeth. It just keeps me sane. But actually, there was a goal. And if you didn't know what a virtuous person Hunter Biden was, you might think it looked a lot like money laundering. Two years after that interview, Hunter Biden was selling prints of his art. And to be clear, just the prints, not the, quote, art itself, but effectively photocopies of it for $75,000 a pop. Apparently, Hunter Biden moved five of these repros in just days. That's $375,000 in less than a week for signing copies of your fake art. As for the paintings themselves, childish self-indulgent blots, those sold for half a million dollars a piece. So the question is who bought them and why? It'd be interesting to know. There's a story there for sure, but of course we have no right to know. There's no public policy implication. It's not like Hunter Biden's finances have anything to do with his father's finances. Meanwhile, once his father did become president, corporate publisher Simon & Schuster lined up as well to pay Hunter Biden's bills. According to news reports, Simon & Schuster gave Hunter Biden millions of dollars for his highly selective account of his wholly unaccomplished life. And then the publisher lined up brainless celebrity endorsers like Dave Eggers and Stephen King to promote it. King, who apparently will say anything if it helps the party, 
called Hunter Biden's silly manuscript a, quote, harrowing and compulsively readable memoir. And then Stephen King described Hunter Biden himself as beautiful. Needless to say, the book sold miserably, but Hunter Biden got to keep the millions, and that was the point, and so on. This kind of thing apparently happened a lot. Again, there seems to be a story here, and we think it's probably worth learning a lot more about it and bringing it to you. In the coming weeks, we will. In the meantime, though, the question is, what can we learn from Hunter Biden's plea deal today? First off, the obvious. For the children of the people in charge, there are no penalties. There are only upsides. They're princelings. They can do what they want. You are not. Therefore, you can't. So don't get any ideas about cheating on your taxes or violating federal gun laws unless you want to celebrate next year's Father's Day through the glass in the visitor's room. The rules definitely apply to you, including rules you don't yet know exist. But there is also a deeper lesson here, a more disturbing one. What we're watching through Hunter Biden's life and through the Biden administration now entering its third year is the total inversion of virtue. What was once considered admirable is now derided as stupid, if not racist. That would include achievement, intelligence, honesty, self-control, humility. Those are features of the old America. Those were yesterday's virtues. They are gone. In their place, all that we once considered contemptible and repulsive, we're told to worship that now. Here's a small example, but we think a revealing one. In addition to his many other sins, Joe Biden has hired what has to be the single dumbest, nastiest, most dishonest, most ridiculous person he could possibly find for the very public position of White House press secretary. There's a point to it, of course. It was a humiliation exercise. It was designed to degrade the country and dispirit the rest of us. That's the White House press secretary? Shut up! But here's the thing. The White House press secretary herself has no idea why she's in the job. She thinks she's amazing. Here she is in a clip we just saw. A year in this role, there's been a couple of things that I that has made me incredibly proud. Many things, many things that made me incredibly proud to be at that podium uh, during this historic moment. Again, this is a historic administration. I'm a historic figure and I certainly walk in history every day. I'm a historic figure? <laughs> Imagine saying that. I'm a historic figure, but she does. And she says it in a burst of sincere self-congratulation, marked by her signature bad grammar. Illiterate, but proud. Of course she's proud. Karine Jean-Pierre is now a historic figure, just like Hunter Biden is now an important artist. I know that's long, but it's true. It's 100% true. It is just a spit in the face. And what's so sad about it is the average American will not notice this. They will listen to the media and go, oh, Trump, so this, Trump, that, Trump, that, fucking Trump. Well, you know, the good thing is when Trump's in office, we actually do things as in investigations that matter because none of these investigations matter. I'm going to play some sound bites. They don't matter. Media is just fucking, fucking burying this shit. It matters none what. Soever. So I'm going to play right off the bat Durham and then a few sound bites of what the left did during this. Now I want to make sure the media are not covering this, but the key thing about all these investigations being done by Republicans, they're going by parliamentary rules, as in we have the other side in the room. They can talk, they can 
They can go on their fucking filibusters and stupid shit. That's what a democracy is. I want you just to remember what the J6 hearing was like for two fucking years. You, you didn't have an opposing view. As the committee knows, on May 13th, 2019, Attorney General Barr directed me to conduct a preliminary review into certain matters related to federal investigations concerning the 2016 presidential election campaigns. That review subsequently um, developed into several criminal investigations and gave rise to my subsequent appointment as special counsel in these matters. Many of the most significant issues documented in the report that we have written, including those relating to lack of investigative uh, discipline, failure to take logistical, logical investigative steps, and bias are re uh, relevant to important national security interests that this committee and the American people are concerned about. If repeated and left unaddressed, these issues could result in significant national security risks and further erode the public's faith and confidence in our justice system. As we said in the report, um, our findings were sobering. I can tell you, having spent 40 years plus as a federal prosecutor, they were particularly sobering to me. A number of my colleagues who uh, spent decades in the FBI themselves, they were sobering. While I'm encouraged by some of the reforms that have been implemented by the FBI, the problems identified in this report, anybody who actually reads the report and the details of the report, the documented portions of the report, I think would uh, find that um, the problems identified in the report are not susceptible to overnight fixes. As we said in the report, they cannot be addressed solely by enhancing training or additional policy requirements. Rather, what is required is accountability, both in terms of the standards to which our law enforcement personnel uh, hold themselves and in the consequences they face for violation of laws and policies of relevance. I'm here to answer your questions. I appreciate the opportunity to. I'll answer them to the best of my ability, and I hope to be of service to your oversight function. As I'm sure you know, the Department of Justice um, has issued some guidelines as to what I'm authorized to discuss and those things that I am not authorized to discuss. In this regard, uh, accordingly, I'll refer principally to the report. I do want to emphasize a few points at the outset, however. First, I want to emphasize in the strongest terms possible that my colleagues and I carried out our work in good faith, with integrity and in the spirit of following the facts wherever they lead without fear uh, or favor. At no time and in no sense did we act with a purpose to further partisan or political ends to the extent that somebody suggests otherwise that's simply untrue and offensive. Second, the findings set forth in this report are serious and deserve attention from the American public and its representatives. Let me just briefly highlight a few of those. For one, we found troubling violations of law and policy in the conduct of highly consequential investigations directed at members of a presidential campaign and ultimately a presidential administration. To me, it matters not whether it was a Republican campaign or a Democrat campaign. It was a presidential campaign. Our team comprised dedicated and experienced prosecutors and law enforcement agents who worked day in and day out through the entire 
um, COVID epidemic in the office trying to interview people, all in an effort to try to get to those facts and the ground truth. Uh, that such a group of people made these findings, experienced FBI agents, experienced prosecutors, not people by and large from Washington, but from other parts of the country. The fact that these people made these findings as reflected in the report, um, is of concern um, and should be of concern to any American who cares about our civil liberties, the rule of law, and the just and proportionate application of the law to all of us. Whether we're friends or we're foes, the law ought to apply to everybody in the same way. During our investigation, we charged a former FBI agent who pleaded guilty to the felony offense of altering and fabricating a portion of a document used to obtain a court order a FISA order of surveillance of a United States citizen, which in our view is a significant problem. Several of the relevant FISA applications at issue um, in the Crossfire investigation omitted references to what was clearly relevant and highly exculpatory information that should have been disclosed to the FISA court. Multiple FBI personnel who signed or assisted in preparing renewal applications for that same FISA Warren acknowledged that they did not believe that the target, Mr. Page, was a threat to national security, much less a knowing agent of a foreign power, which is what the law requires. It appears from our investigation that the FBI leadership dismissed those concerns. Another aspect of our findings concerned the FBI's failure to sufficiently scrutinize information it received or to apply the same standards to allegations it received about the Clinton and Trump campaigns. As our report details, the FBI was uh, too willing to accept and use politically funded and uncorroborated uh, opposition research, such as the Steele dossier. The FBI relied on the dossier and FISA applications, knowing that it was uh, likely um, material originating from a political campaign, a political opponent. It did so even after the President of the United States, the FBI and CIA directors and others received briefings about intelligence suggesting that there was a Clinton campaign plan underway to stir up a scandal tying Trump to Russia. The accuracy of the intelligence was uncertain at the time, but the FBI failed to analyze or even assess the implications of the intelligence in any meaningful way. When the FBI learned that the primary source of information for the Steele dossier, which was basically the guts of the narrative about there being a well-coordinated um, uh, conspiracy involving Trump and the Russians, when they learned that uh, Danchenko was the um, uh, primary subsource uh, for those reports, it was at a time when the FBI already knew that Danchenko himself had previously been the suspect of an FBI espionage investigation. He was suspected of being a Russian asset. Um, and nonetheless, they signed him up as a paid informant without further investigation of that espionage concern to say nothing of resolving that espionage matter before using Denchenko and Denchenko's information. And when the FBI and Special Agent Mueller's office learned that Steele's primary subsource likely had gathered important portions of the dossier information uh, during travels to Russia with uh, one Charles Dolan, it inexplicably decided not to interview Dolan uh, or investigate his activities. Finally, I would like to add that although our work exposed uh, deep concerns um, uh, concerning facts about the conduct of these investigations, 
Our report should not be read to suggest in any way that Russian election interference was not a significant threat. It was. <clears throat> Nor should it be read to suggest that the investigation, um, the investigative authorities at issue uh, no longer serve important law enforcement and national security interests. They do. Rather, responsibility for the failures and transgressions that occurred here rests with the people who committed them or allowed them to occur. Again, to my mind, the issues raised in the report deserve close attention from the American people and their elected representatives here in Washington. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Okay, that's pretty much 100% what he found. That's just, that's it. But instead of actually looking at the facts and evidence that we've had New York Times, WAPO, everybody has confirmed everything. I mean, with Hunter's laptop, confirmed. With fake PP tapes, confirmed. Hillary paid for it, confirmed. Made up, confirmed. FBI agents fucking each other and going after Trump, confirmed. None of this is just made up bullshit. This is the horse shit the left did. How often did you speak or text with the attorney general? This is during the investigation. I wouldn't. During the, when I was special counsel or prior to that? Special counsel, sir. Um, I don't know how many times I texted with him. Right. Well, according to now public records, Barr scheduled at least 18 meetings or calls with you between 2019 March and October 2019. And you and he text messages with each other frequently, didn't you? Text messages. Yeah, I was appointed as special counsel in October. So before that, yeah, there were probably any number of uh, text messages. After that, I don't, I don't know. Here are some examples. On August 31, 2019, he sent you a message that said, John strongly suggests that you, a lot of interesting things. On February 6, 2020, you text him, sir, just emerging from a skiff. Are you open to a call earlier this morning? On February 14, 2020, Barr texts you, call me when you get a chance. On March 19, 2020, Barr texts, can I call you later? And you responded, most certainly. On March 27, 2020, you sent him the best phone number for you all during the time of being special counsel. And here's an interesting one. On September 24, 2019, the day that the Speaker Pelosi announced a formal impeachment inquiry into President Trump, Attorney General Barr texts you, call me a ASAP. And later, that Mr. Barr appointed you special counsel, is that correct? That's correct. Mr. Trump has called Mr. Barr a gutless pig, a coward, and a rhino. Which of those is correct, which isn't? In my experience, none of those are correct. So Mr. Trump isn't that good of an expert on character and judging people. In your opinion, he isn't, because he's, he's none of those. He's not a gutless pig, but Trump says he is. Yeah. That's outside the scope of my report. Also outside the scope of your report, apparently. <laughs> also outside of the scope of your report or your, was, was apparently the meeting at Trump Tower between the Russians and the Trump boys where they talked about allegedly adoptions, but we know it was really about sanctions. How was that outside of your report? Yeah, I'm not, I, I'm sorry, I didn't quite follow that. Meeting at the Trump Tower, attorney, uh, the Russian attorney came to the Trump and Donald Trump Jr. was just wonderful, wonderful. We love it. We love it. Uh, Russian decisions to interact with the Trump campaign and influence the 
actions of the campaign, allegedly for adoption law, but really for sanctions relief. The FBI came up with that, did they not? I'm, um, a meeting took place at Trump Towers on June 9th. The lure, as I understand it, was that there was um, information, derogatory information on Clinton that was going to be provided. They met, and as I believe in a Hipsy report, the Hipsy report fully laid that out, that the discussion. That Sadly, that last cocksucker is literally from the state of Tennessee. That's what Nashville nominates. That fucking piece of shit. That's what they came back with. Oh, you got text messages. You talked to the attorney general. You know, I remember the Hillary investigation where they burned all the phones and threw everything in the garbage. The FBI did that. So it could be no investigation of the investigation. I remember a whole bunch of shit. It, you can can it on Google. You can bury shit. You can try to say that this, you know, it's all bullshit. We remember. We remember how Hillary was treated. We remember how Hunter Biden's been treated. We remember how Biden was treated. How he's treated now. That he can be a total fucking rockhead. And you say everything's okay because you're getting what you want. He's the perfect vessel to push your bullcrap. And we all remember that you ignored Benghazi and said they were faux hearings and Obama was scandal-free even after they finally released that he took plane loads of cash to Iran. But the Trump stuff was all true. It was so important. Walls were closing in. I could play the fucking video, and that was all a lie. And Schiff propagated the lie. And you even defended him. So, I like this guy. They the left hates him. They, they say he's a, uh, a pedophile because some coach did something. He was a wrestling coach. They're just the, the dirtiest people on the planet. The left are the dirtiest people on the planet. They're the most hypocritical people on the fucking planet. And I'm saying it not as a mega guy, not as GOP. I'm just an independent. You motherfuckers have no morals, no values, no integrity, no intellectual honesty. You will make nothing a major thing. And when flat out evidence comes out on all sorts of fucking dirty deeds that are happening on the left... You completely ignore, ignore it because you no longer have any honor. And that's why the left is the soup sandwich it is. No collusion, no conspiracy, no coordination between President Trump and Russia. None. What the Democrats say, we don't care. We're going to keep going after President Trump. In fact, they didn't even wait one day. The next day, the phone call between President Trump and President Zelensky became the basis for their impeachment. Republicans said maybe, maybe instead of the never-ending attacks on President Trump, maybe the country would be better off if we figured out how the whole false Trump-Russia narrative started. After two and a half years of the Mueller investigation, 19 lawyers, 40 agents, $30 million, where they found nothing, maybe... 
maybe we should figure out how the whole lie started. That's exactly what Mr. Durham has done. In his report, he told us how the dossier was funded. He told us who funded eager the FBI was to use it, how they put the dossier in a FISA draft application just two days after receiving it. He told us that not one, not one single substantive allegation in the dossier was ever corroborated, ever validated, yet it was used, used to spy on an American citizen associated with the presidential campaign. He told us there was no proper predicate for opening the crossfire hurricane investigation. And maybe most importantly, he told us the FBI, the FBI, the preeminent law enforcement agency in the world failed, failed in its fundamental mission of adherence to the rule of law. And unfortunately, I think once again, the Democrats will say, we don't care. It doesn't matter. We're never going to stop going after President Trump. In fact, Eight days ago, we saw how far they are willing to go with the indictment of President Trump. But frankly, this shouldn't surprise us. They told us their objective. In fact, it was an agent on the case of Crossfire Hurricane who told us what their objective was. We all remember the text message from Peter Strzok where he said, don't worry, we'll stop Trump. It started with the Crossfire Hurricane investigation. Mr. Durham has told us how wrong that was. Now we have an indictment of a former president who's winning in every single poll by his opponent's Justice Department. And in between those two events, we had the Mueller investigation, we had impeachment, we had 51 former intel officials falsely, falsely tell us the Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. We had a raid on President Trump's home. And of course, we got Alvin Bragg's ridiculous case in New York. Seven years, nothing has changed. Don't believe me? We interviewed Stephen D'Antuano, former head of the Washington field office when the Trump classified document case began. Mr. D'Antuano told the committee, we interviewed him just two weeks ago, two weeks ago today. Mr. D'Antuano told the committee that when he asked the Department of Justice, why is there no U.S. attorney assigned to the Trump classified document case? Headquarters said, because we're running it. He suggested the Miami field office should do the raid. Instead of sending the folks from Washington field office down to Miami, have the folks in in the Miami field office do it. Headquarters said no. He suggested there shouldn't be a raid. Instead, they should continue to work with President Trump's lawyers. Once again, headquarters said no. Mr. D'Antuano even said, how about when we get there? When we arrive at President Trump's home, we then call his lawyer and we do the search together. Again, headquarters said no. Another interesting fact, the lawyer who turned down Mr. D'Antuano's request happens to be the same person who is alleged to have pressured the attorney representing a Trump employee about a judgeship. Nothing has changed, and frankly, they're never going to stop. Seven years of attacking Trump is scary enough, but what's more frightening, any one of us could be next. In fact, It's already started. Parents at school board meetings are terrorists. Pro-life Catholics are extremists. Even journalists aren't safe. Federal Trade Commission, 13 letters. One of those letters to Twitter said, who are the journalists you're talking to? Think about that. They named four people personally. Two come and testify in front of this committee. While they're in front of this committee, 
Democrats are asking them to reveal their sources, violate First Amendment principles. One of them, Matt Taibbi, while he's sitting at that table testifying to the Judiciary Committee, the IRS is knocking on his door. Parents, Catholics, journalists, but guess who gets it the worst? Guess who gets it the worst? Whistleblowers. If you dare come forward and tell Congress what's going on, look out. They will come for you. They will take your clearance. They will take your pay. They'll even take your kids' clothes. Just ask Garrett O'Boyle, who testified in front of this committee as well. Over the next few hours, we're going to hear the facts and details about the whole false Trump-Russia narrative, the crossfire hurricane investigation, and hopefully, hopefully it will help change things at the Department of Justice. But regardless of what the Biden administration and the Garland Justice Department do, I know what Republicans in the House are committed to doing. We will work to dramatically change the FISA law, and we will do everything we can in the appropriations process to stop the federal government from going after the American people. The night and day on how we treat things is just unbelievable. That, that hearing would have been aired live everywhere, and it was ignored. This is his little uh, butt buddy doing the old, oh, oh, he's such a good daddy bullshit. And if I swear to God, if people vote because this dickhead, I, I'm literally going to lose my shit. So before we move on to other subjects, um, I wanted to hit a few things. First of all, the AP... Um, Supermajorities of state capitals push controversial policies to the edge. That's what they're saying because they don't like um, the way Republicans won houses and they change stuff. Um, I'll talk about Tennessee in a second because I had a long conversation yesterday with somebody. Maybe while they're bitching about stuff, we should talk about the FBI some more because this is pretty fucked up. They groom the motherfucker and then they arrest him. So they turned a kid and then they arrested him. And of course, yesterday was Juneteenth or Monday or whatever fucking day it was because I don't really celebrate it because I'm white. And if I did celebrate it, I'd be racist. So there was multiple shootings all over the fucking place, but we never found out anything about it because they were black people. So we really didn't cover it. But the media was all up on it. I could play tens of thousands of shit, but I'm not going to because I don't want to waste your time. I'm just going to play three tasty bites. Tasty bite number one is uh, we're not celebrating Juneteenth enough. Number two, they're going to bring back those two black guys from Nashville and they're going to say that everybody's fucking racist because, you know, let's be honest, that's, that's just what they do. And I'm going to cap it with a beautiful soundbite from CNN, who is once again changing. They're becoming so objective. But uh, GOP are bad for kids, the environment, black people. I, I don't see a difference. 
Well, Democrats do have a small problem with uh, working class voters, including uh, Latino and, and, and African-American. But this kind of message, though, um, I think is going to drown that out because, uh, you know, what, what you have from Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley and even Tim Scott is is the necessity of checking the box that that there is no racism, that we solved that problem, that we had the Civil War and everything is fine. And, and what's interesting and ironic on Juneteenth Day is this is a day where uh, America remembers this part of history and celebrates it. At the very same time, the Republican Party seems very deeply invested in not remembering that history, not going back, taking it out of the schools or downplaying it. I mean, I was watching uh, Charlie Kirk, uh, who's a big uh, Trumpist, on social media all day, just melting down how everybody should be at work. Uh, this is a CRT-inspired ins holiday. Unfortunately, that has put them into a box. There was once an effort by Republicans to be more diverse, to reach out. And Nikki Haley was one of the leaders of all of that. But now there is this gravitational pull that you have to check the boxes. You have to you know, talk about being woke and CRT being anything that makes you uncomfortable about race. Pick up, you know, where your colleague left off. Are you feeling that same way in terms of what it's been like for you over the last several months? trying to do the job that, that you were elected to do, you were reinstated. Um, has it been more challenging? We have to realize that we're dealing with an institution and institutions do not change very quickly. Uh, this institution has been rooted in white supremacy, has been rooted in patriarchy and injustice for a very long time. And the ramifications of their decisions, because they have been supporting a mobocracy instead of a democracy, have been hurting our democracy through anti-democratic behavior, such as our expulsions. And so because we know this institution is not going to change in and of itself, we are relying on the people-powered movement that is multiracial, that is intergenerational, that is lifting up the voices of just of thousands and millions of Tennesseans that want to see something done on gun safety, that want to see something done on the issues that matter to our communities, both in rural, suburban, and urban Tennessee. Do you think, Representative Jones, did anything changes? I mean, I, I remember when you, uh, speaking after all of this, you said, we called for you all to ban assault weapons. You responded with an assault on democracy, saying you weren't willing to use this effort, this time, this power to talk about red flag laws and some of the other things you guys were calling for. But you also vowed to be with the people every week demanding that you act. Do you have reason, because the body hasn't significantly changed in terms of... I decided to pull off for a second. Let's get that in. I went down uh, to get a beautiful globe lamp that was a lie in an auction because it wasn't a lamp, but it was a globe and it was broken and it was kind of fucked up. But it was a, one of the greatest trips ever. Just a great trip. And, and I was going to hold this for the end, but you might, I might as well just make a story, uh, do the damn story uh, right. We went back through what's called Cross Creek um, Recreational Area. And it's not a very good place. Um, I've used it a couple times. But as we did, it was like a six-mile um, hard-packed gravel so we could take the car. And we... What are you doing? Why? What happened? Ah. Alright. Uh, let's try it again. Wow. There it is. 
We saw our first weasel. Didn't even know we had weasels in Tennessee. It was like, it couldn't be a squirrel and it couldn't be a groundhog and it couldn't have been an otter. Had a long ass fucking tail. It's a long tailed weasel. So we saw like three of them fuckers run around, saw a fucking eagle eating a dead carcass of a deer, which was fucking amazing. And just had a great little trip. But when we got down there, we decided, hey, you know, we're going we're gonna to spend some time and, and check out this area because we'd never been. It was Waverly, Tennessee. And, you know, the route was beautiful, went through scenic. It's, it's uh, kind of, kind of freaking like eastern Tennessee. There's little hills and uh, it was just beautiful. Just fucking beautiful. Um, so we went to a couple of the shops that were there and I ran this old man. We started talking about stuff and then somewhere in the middle of it, he had a meltdown about how we changed the districts and now Democrats didn't have a control over Nashville anymore. And they he really had a problem with that because he was a Democrat. And of course, conversation ended up going south because I said, well, the Democrats made it that way, so these guys changed it. That's just kind of how it works. You know, we, we each party benefits themselves. It's not like it's a, a bad thing. It's just how it works out. Um, but it was very intuitive to what these people are like. If they can't have the advantage, then it's wrong. Yet they do it all the time. Just all the fucking time, they rig districts so Nadler and, I mean, Pelosi and all these people can hang out of their jobs forever. And these two fucktards are just kept, whenever they want to bring back, A, everybody is racist, everybody's bad, blah, 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 blah. You do that. But Sykes, who used to be a conservative, babbling about people don't celebrate Juneteenth. Black people didn't celebrate or even know what Juneteenth. This was a local thing down south, and only severe race hustlers, who are the real racists in our country, celebrated this shit and wanted to hang on to slavery. They did it. Nobody else did it. And now you force it on a whole country because you're woke. But if you're black... You should say, well, that's the only thing he's done because then he moved right on to the queer shit like all the time. Just all the fucking time. So our last one is Republicans are the enemy of kids and climate and all that shit because, yeah, if you don't believe 100% in everything they say, well, it's time to demonize. Support of fossil fuels is in direct violation of their constitutional rights. CNN's chief climate correspondent, Bill Weir, has more. In big sky country, it's a story fit for a big screen. You got this, guys. We love you. On one side, 16 young people from ranches, reservations, and boom towns across Montana, ranging in age from 5 to 22. On the other side, the Republican led state of Montana, which lost a three year fight to keep this case out of court, but is still determined to let fossil fuels keep flowing despite the warnings from science that burning them will only melt more glaciers, 
blacken more skies and ravage more rivers. Based on the evidence you've seen, does it point to harm for these youth plaintiffs? Harm now and accelerating harm in the future. And the whole plot pivots around the Montana Constitution that promises the state shall maintain and improve a clean and healthful environment for present and future generations. How can they lose, given that language in the Constitution is so explicit, but? Well, that language was put in in 1972. That is a fascinating convention where 100 grassroots people, no politicians came and rewrote the state's constitution. And at the time, the, the, the evidence of environmental destruction was so great, they put that in. I don't think that the Republicans have a chance to take that out of the constitution right now, but we'll see what kind of defense they put up, whether they counter the science of climate change and all, whether they say, you know, the economy is just too dependent on this to, to do anything about it. But it really is a tipping point as people try to use the courts to get some action because legislations have done nothing. So interesting. It is fascinating. It's such a great story. Hey, hey, hey. Bow, bow, bow. Little pump and cut. Hey, gang shit, gang shit, gang shit, gang shit, gang shit. Which brings us to gay shit. So we're going to start off with Matt in Oregon slinging me this. I don't know how I didn't see it. And I really believe this is the same motherfucker who did the... I, I think it's the same motherfucker, to be quite honest, um, that did the... Uh, the crazy ass fucking North Face thing. I, it looks like it because there's only so many freakish mustache, fake tit wearing dudes. And then I'm going to go into a local story, which is just awesome. Hello, in case you didn't know, gay people are literally taking over the national park system. I just hope throw pride in Yosemite for the third year in a row. But this isn't a pride for visitors to the valley. This is a pride for the park employees, of which, as you can see, there are literal hundreds of queer Yosemite employees. We danced, we marched, we celebrated, and we got wet. I am so proud of all the community organizers within the park system who are making safe space for queer people all year round. No planet, no pride. Mother Nature is a lesbian. Goodbye. This is very interesting approach because A, we were told that gay people and black people and Latino people, or excuse me, Latinx and BIPOC and Pacific Islanders and the parks are racist as fuck. Little woodchucks going out there in Buffalo telling them to get out and racially slurring them and calling them faggots and all sorts of crazy shit. That's the articles I was reading in PBS. But now they're for gay people. Safe spaces for queer. Here's a, here's a, an amazing news flash for you. I, I go to land between the lakes quite often. Drive it. Get rocks for my wife to paint on. Fish. Have picnics. Just drive through it to get to the places we go and do our junking. At no time do I see any gay people, black people, Latinx, BIPOC, Pacific Islander, little people, people with dimples, 
people with freckles. I don't see anybody literally being persecuted or treated poorly. The only time I've seen any shaming or animal bigotry is a few times I've taken a piss and a couple squirrels looked at me and judged my dick. I'm just telling you, they did. They looked like, what the fuck, dude? That's it? That's that's all you got? So, I mean, that's the only time I've seen it. But I don't see anything else. But we then, and I tried to get a picture for this, but if you try to search for this and look up this topic, you get um, porno. That's all you, you fucking get is porno. So I, I'm not doing it. We have our 7-Eleven. First 7-Eleven, big deal here. Love 7-Eleven. You know, as a kid, you 7-Eleven, blah, 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 blah. Well, I go in our 7-Eleven, and I noticed there's been a lot less traffic on the 7-Eleven lately. I didn't know why, but it, it happened. And I go in, and I see a guy with his back to the counter, you know, behind the counter by the register, Huge, like we're six three, broad shouldered, buff dude with a ponytail. But that's not that odd to see dudes with ponytails. I think it's stupid as fuck, but you know, hey, you do you. And it's it's more of a envy, you know, because I I'm bald. Uh, they say hello, I say hello back, and it's just a little female that's next to them, and they're chatting, and I grab my Monster, and I grab my Coke, and I come back up uh, to the counter, and I have a bunch of change in a container, and I start counting out the change. It's dirty, you know, we, we got it from our, our thing, I dug through the car, it was like $14 and quarters, nickels and dimes. And I count it out. And I hear the dude sigh like a female. And I just go, oh, my God, please don't tell me this is what I think this is. And the girl goes, we don't give a fuck. And so I slide it over, and she counts it, and it's good. And she tells him, I got it. I, I'll, I'll pick it up. And I look up, and it's a dude in makeup with fake titties. Tranny. And then it made sense. Because... Here, people don't prejudice people, but they just don't go. I mean, there was a guy at our um, Dollar General. And eventually he stopped dressing that way because somebody told him that he had to because it was just ridiculous. So people will say that's prejudice, but they lost business. So it's like either dress one way and stay that, stop bouncing around. We're getting customer complaints. So I go back a week later, and this is the part I didn't tell my brother and sister. Um, dude's there, but dude's a dude. And so I go back to get my stuff, and that little girl's cleaning, and I go, I thought that dude was a she. Yeah, people just stopped coming they really saw a business thing and so they asked him is this you know if you if this is who you are then you dress like that but you don't dress like it all the time is it just a thing you do well i'm making a statement and so we went back just to being a guy 
And it made me pause for a second and go, I wonder how many people are doing this just for a statement. Just to say, look at me. Attention. Because the tits were gone and everything was gone. He was just a buff dude. With no makeup. And a crew cut. Now, lefties, the media, LGBT, advocacy groups are going to say that's all prejudice and everything like that. But no, it's not. You have black people that don't go places because there's too many white people. And you have gay people that won't go places because they're too cis. And you have every fucking one of your little minority groups, you, you, you prejudice with your payments. So white people doing the same thing, that's just how Americans work. There is nobody running around saying you got to get out of here or you're fucking faggot or saying any of that shit anymore. They just don't patron your facility because they don't want to see that shit. And if it's good for black people to do, I only go to black businesses. I only go to gay businesses. Yada, yada. Well, I guess it's good for white people too. So I'm going to play two soundbots sign back to back. This was making the rounds and I just, this is the most absurd thing in, in, in the world. But I'm doing it to make the statement. You're going to see a small soundbite from 60 Minutes talking about railroads getting people out of countries that murder gay people. And then you're going to see a soundbite about a Texas realtor that is doing an underground railroad and I, I have two different people are the faces of this so it's kind of hard to tell who's really the dude I'm going with the one that had sound that I could capture I am Eloise I am six 60 minutes rewind stories of exodus mark a central theme in human history war famine crippling poverty all have forced people to flee one country for another but there's a growing reason for leaving home and homeland. In more than 70 countries worldwide, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender, or LGBT citizens, live in fear for their freedom, their safety, and in some cases, their lives. Their governments not only sanction brutality against them, but often carry it out. There is no obvious or easy escape path, but for those lucky enough to hitch a ride, there is something called the Rainbow Railroad. Like the Underground Railroad, the Rainbow Railroad helps those fleeing danger get across borders to safety. And like its historical namesake, this network shrouds its operations in secrecy. But over a recent six-month period, we got a look at how the Rainbow Railroad works. We met escapees from three continents and were on hand for a series of departures and arrivals. Activists arrested more than three weeks ago. And in Uganda overnight, 39 men were finally granted bail after being arrested at a shelter. My next guest leads an organization working to help those victims flee persecution, Kamali Powell, the executive director of Rainbow Railroad. Kamali, I'm so glad you're here to talk about this. I know that you have helped 1,600 people find safety through emergency relocation, other assistance programs like that. First of all, how did this get started and how does it work? 
Thanks so much for having me. Uh, great to be here. Rainbow Railroad is an international organization uh, that's based in the United States and Canada, founded in 2006. Um, our name's inspired by the Underground Railroad, of course, the corridor that helped uh, African-American uh, slaves reach the North. Uh, and our purpose is really simple, uh, to help persecuted LGBTQ persons around the world uh, like those in Ghana and Uganda find pathways to safety. Right now, although we're celebrating pride here, around the world there are still 70 countries that criminalize same-sex intimacy. Mm. And those laws and policies put people at risk. Oh, 100%. Let's talk a bit more on the situation in Africa specifically. As you know, dozens were arrested Monday in Uganda, uh, Friday. Most of them were granted bail days later, of course. But, Kamali, how do we even know about the situation there? Why were only some granted bail? What does this mean for everybody else? So, Rainbow Railroad has a vast international network of partners. We work hand in hand with human rights defenders who really bravely uh, put their lives at risk every day to promote LGBTQI rights. And so when we heard about the situation, we heard directly upon uh, at the moment they were arrested from our partners. We released a video uh, with permission from our partners highlighting the situation, immediately went to support uh, funds for bail, um, happy that they're released. You know, there's a mixture of uh, false reporting in the Ugandan press about what's happening. Uh, this has been going on for about a year, using COVID-19 as an excuse to crack down on LGBTQ people. And so uh, it's really just a strong legal defense team in Uganda that's pushing for their release, and we're glad that some of them are free. Absolutely. Hey, some of the people that Rainbow Railroad has helped save um, were featured on the reality show Canada's Drag Race, and one person, Dennis, uh, is from Uganda, and he described life there. Take a listen, everybody. The people following you up and attacking you are, are anonymous. They can make you disappear, and there's nothing you can do about it. Since I left, everything has just been going from bad to worse. Four people I know have been killed. And just two weeks ago, 125 people were arrested just for going to hang out in a gay-friendly bar. Can you put into perspective, Kamali, how it is to live in a place where you are not only targeted by police, but also by your fellow citizens and the threat of death because of your sexual identity? I mean, how real is this? This is how P LGBTQ people get displaced every day in these countries. Uh, once you're outed for being a member of the community, you're ostracized from your family, you're denied employment, sometimes you're targets of violence from the police. And so, of course, everyone wants to be able to stay in their country and, um, and live their lives as they choose. But in cases like Dennis, who was a human rights defender, hmm. um, sometimes the only other option is to flee, which is why we help them flee and why we're hoping to do more to have LGBTQ folks be resettled here in the United States. Yeah, how gratifying is it to you, the work that you're doing? You're literally saving lives, Kamali. You know, I like to say that we are facilitators in the journey of brave people like Dennis who make a really hard decision under duress at the last minute to leave with little uh, on their person. Your earlier segment mentioned uh, El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala, the northern mm -hmm. tribal countries. LGBTQ people in those countries are facing violence even in those caravans to enter the United States. So their vulnerability is really heightened, and we 
with the patchwork of volunteers and supporters, just do what we can to facilitate the safe migration into the United States and other countries. I've got to tell you, keep on keeping on, Kamali Powell. Bless you for the work you're doing from Rainbow Railroad. Thank you for talking with me and highlighting all this. And that's going to do it for me. The first is needed. They kill them. That's fucked up. That's wrong. That's not right. Shouldn't kill somebody just because they suck dick or dress like a girl for fuck's sake. It's just stupid. But to do it in the United States where nobody's forcing you to do shit, nobody's making you stay anywhere, is the most absurd shit I've ever fucking seen. It is so fucking stupid. But our media... They equate the same thing. Here's PBS, alleged conservative Christian transitioning her four-year-old. ABC using 11-year-old to justify access to puberty blockers. I am Eloise. I am six. When Kai was about four years old, she prayed and said she would like to go home and be with Jesus and never come back. All of the things I had learned about transgender children having a 41% risk of attempting suicide came flooding back. I read about Layla Alcorn and what she wrote. Christian parents don't do this to your kids. And I realized I had a four-year-old who would rather go be with Jesus forever than stay here and have to live as a boy one more day. You have to choose, Kimberly. Do you want a dead son or do you want a living trans daughter? It's either my interpretation of the scientific data that's wrong, or it's my interpretation of the scripture that's wrong. And what I discovered is when you really get down to the truth of both, they actually don't conflict. The Bible tells us not to call unclean what he has made clean. So if science says that my daughter was born transgender, that means that the Lord knit her together in my womb that way. And whether religious people disagree with me or not, I have to hold firm in the truth. And that is that she was fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, and she was born transgender. I knew that I was choosing this morning, Columbus is preparing to welcome an estimated 700,000 people to its annual Pride Parade, while a battle is brewing just blocks away at the Ohio State House over the future of trans rights. The Republican-controlled state legislature is considering a number of bills impacting trans youth, 
One called HB 68 would make it illegal for doctors to provide gender-affirming care for trans minors, including prescribing puberty blockers or hormones. That one definitely concerns me considering I am actively on the waiting list for getting puberty blockers. 11-year-old Michael Faria has identified as a boy for years now. His parents say puberty blockers are needed to essentially allow him to pause his development for now. It makes me uncomfortable that I am having to go through uh, feminine puberty. HB 68 is to save adolescents from experimentation. Republican State Representative Gary Click is the primary sponsor of this bill. He also touts it would ban doctors from performing gender reassignment surgery on a minor, something opponents argue isn't happening in Ohio. I have done a lot of research. I've talked to a lot of professionals on this. Our side. Key thing, our side. I could play you a, a video from CNN where they bring on literally the head of the AMA, and he is very worried about it. He, he's so worried that we are not transitioning fucking kids. It is the most twisted, sick, perverted, pedophilia ever because the proof is there. Milo appeared in 2016 MTV documentary as a transgender child. She began testosterone at 14, double mastectomy at 16, hysterectomy at 21, and one of her ovaries ruptured as a complication of surgery. She's now detransitioning and believes she has undergo has undiagnosed autism. I thought it was really important to amplify the story. We're frequently shown a one-sided view of transitioning to wholesome and glamorous on TV and stories of transgender children finding their true selves when the reality is often very different. Please be respectful in the comments. She's not ruined woman. She's not a damaged beyond repair. She's at the beginning of stages of detransition, which is a process of healing and she's very young. She can still have a wonderful life. It goes well with Pride and Prejudice scandal and an NBC TV station in Grand Rapids, Michigan, because there was a memo that we're going to get both sides of this story. That's what we're going to do. Both sides. And the left can't have both sides. You can't. You, you just can't. Because if you did, well, you would find out not everybody is on board with this shit. Not everybody believes this is the right thing for children. No. They, they just don't believe it because it isn't. Yet, PBS, because they are so invested in leftism, and, and I understand to extent those, those are the people that watch their shit. Yeah, that's Father's Day. Navigating a presidency as a dad, Caden Coleman. That's not a dad. That's a woman. That's a woman. That's not a dad. It, it's just not a dad. It's just not. I don't care how much you want to make it so. I don't care that, that you believe it, that men can have babies. No, that's a woman. 
Any way you fucking shake it, it's a woman who wants to become a man. But she'll never become a man. You can take the ovaries off. You take the breasts off. Just as the inverse. I could chop my dick off, get fake titties, put makeup on, take all sorts of hormones. I'm still going to have an Adam's apple. You could shave off the Adam's apple. Great. Now I look more feminine. I'll never give birth to a baby. Unless I can have an ass baby, which is disgusting that I even said it. It's not happening. And last article, because I've gone into extra innings today, and I I didn't mean to. Give it to me. There it is. Article hit, and I I was going to do a little military, but today's a very long podcast. U.S. Air Force is finally retiring the AG and A-10. Now it plans to get rid of some of the specially trained airmen who guide the warthogs to the target. And folks, I'm telling you, as a guy who's standing here due to TAC airs and due to A-10s saving my ass numerous times, this is the dumbest shit ever. This is another one of those, we're not going to need close air support. That literally was in the article. I remember people telling me when I was going to the mountains, we didn't need fucking mortars. And I spent a whole entire day getting mortared, and I still had problems with it years after, because morning doves sound like fucking mortars when they're about to hit you. Oh, that sound is a mortar when it's going to hit you. When it goes over, it's... And that's the sound of Artie and that. It just It's twirling in the air, and it's not coming to hit you, so you're happy. But if you don't hear anything in the last second, you're oh, that motherfucker's about to hit you. And when an 82 millimeter mortar explodes, it's not a good day. And we had multiple all around us because we couldn't kill the guys 5,000 feet up a fucking mountain because it said we didn't need mortars. We'll use the helicopters as close air support. And all the helicopters got fucked up but one. Folks, every time we go through this, it's a mistake. After Gulf 1, they downsized tanker units. Then we had Iraq and we didn't have enough fucking tanks. Now they're going with mini tanks that we'll cover on the next podcast. The new M40 tank killers with 105 round smoothbore Sabot shooting. It's not a tank. We're going to need M1s. We're going to need A10s. We're going to need air defense that we also got rid of. We're going to need all sorts of shit if we start slinging arrows with motherfucking China and Russia and with Biden's feckless foreign policy in the forever war in Ukraine. That's going to happen. China's going to take Taiwan. We're going to have to go take it the fuck back or else all of us are not going to have phones, TVs, fucking computers, cars, refrigerators. Jesus Christ, what doesn't work on a computer chip nowadays? I don't care that he built a couple factories. Not gonna. It's not gonna. So... This wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share with your family and friends. Go to SoundCloud, Flyover Politic with a K, Rumble 482467. Email me at foppodcast at gmail.com. We're going to go with our next podcast on, uh, let's go Monday 26, 
26. We're going to do a Saturday or Sunday show because I got enough material I could, but I'm going junk, and we have the 41A garage sale tomorrow. It's going to be a good one, so we're going to head out and usually don't buy anything, but we we have a good time. As always, disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs. I thank you all for listening, and take care. Every death is a tragedy, y'all. Seven lives. <laughs>